0: Welcome to The Bookkeeper's Voice, an informative and entertaining podcast for bookkeepers who love small business. Each week, Amy Hook explores new ideas and shares real-life stories, along with inspiring guests from both inside and outside the bookkeeping industry. Every episode will leave you with a fresh perspective, along with industry-specific tips and insights to help your business and your clients' businesses thrive.
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Bookkeeper's Voice. My name is Angie, and I'm a member of the Savvy Team, and today I'm really excited about who is joining me today, someone who's not part of the Savvy Team and is not part of our membership community, but someone who's really interesting and we're gonna have a really great conversation. His name is Andrew Hunziker and he is the founder of Dope CFO and CFO College. Thank you for joining me today, Andrew.
2: Thank you, it's great to be on.
1: Oh, I'm really looking forward to this, uh, this episode. Um, it's something that Amy and I thought would be a really great idea after you guys emailed us. So for those of you who don't know, um, because Andrew is in the U.S., so some of our Australian members might not know you so well. Um, Andrew is a CPA who is an expert in startups, CFO services, turnaround, high growth strategies, uh, capital sourcing, merger and wealth production. Basically put, you're a busy man, you have two businesses. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's impressive. <laughs>
2: Thank you, yeah.
1: I'm very busy. It definitely sounds like it. you've got a lot on. But what I really love and what really made me really interested in having you on the podcast today was your incredible CFO knowledge within the U.S. market and how you have honed in your leadership and incredible accounting and bookkeeping knowledge to help our fellow bookkeepers, CPAs, CFOs, CEOs, everyone to upskill and really understand how they can maximize their value of their businesses through the CFO college. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, so really it's interesting to be talking to Australia from the US, but I was thinking (laughs) about it. It's really the same. I actually just got off the phone an hour ago with someone At the end of the day, maybe accounting standards are a little bit different in each country, but Mm. at the end of the day, if we're a service professional, whether it's a CBA or bookkeeper, we have to be able to find really good clients and then we have to serve them really well. And if we can do those two things, we're gonna have a good business. And we talk about this a lot, whether we're a plumber, electrician, doctor, accountant, doesn't matter. We've gotta do the same thing. Find good customers and serve them well at the end of the day. And so to serve them well, we gotta have a lot of knowledge and a lot of tools. And as, as we grow that, we start where we are. You've got some amount of knowledge right now and you've got some kind of tools in your toolbox. Maybe you've got a cool work paper or whatever that you have got or something else, but you could grow those every day, every week, every month for your entire career. I'm almost 60 and I'm still doing it. So um, you certainly can too. And you'll be amazed how it will grow quickly.
1: Oh, I love it so much, and it's definitely something that Savvy is wholeheartedly behind. We love sharing knowledge, really supporting our fellow bookkeepers in the industry. And um, I would love for you just to take a minute and um, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what the CFO College actually does, because it's it's pretty impressive. <laughs>
2: yeah and I'm, I'm actually playing around with my brand right now where i want to go because um the i've been a cba and cfo both for almost 30 years now i'm and again i'm almost 60 so some people would say i'm at the end of my career but i'm i'm planning to go the next 20 years i feel young <laughs> and i love it i love what i'm doing now which is mostly teaching i love, and that. I love yeah. that and um and so we're yeah, I was in the big four in the 90s and I've, I've founded and been part of startups. I've been CFO of big companies, small companies um, of almost every type. And then I got into cannabis kind of accidentally five years ago. And um, that's been super fun because it's it's a niche that really needed a lot of um, help since there was, Nothing. there was no big four there. There was no gap guidance. There was no industry guides. There's no nothing. And so everything I had to create for myself that I was using in my own practice, and it was basically tool after tool after tool. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so at this point, the CFO college, I I came up with that name because basically I was trying to think of something broad enough. At first I was just teaching almost a thousand CPAs and bookkeepers and enrolled agents at this point in all 50 states, how to be CFOs and, and bookkeepers in the cannabis niche that's expanded to many other niches as well. So our CFO bookkeeper program, for example, is for bookkeepers who want to upgrade their skills to more CFO level stuff. And again, doesn't matter what country you're in, that could be the same anywhere. And then I've even taught some business owners how to be their own CFO. So so CFO. The CFO skill set is just so valuable. And if you go look at the Fortune 500 companies, generally the second highest paid person is gonna be the CFO, often even above the person running operations and and marketing. So usually that's gonna be the number two person at key companies and it's for a reason. So think of big, big companies, Nike and Microsoft and all those companies. They figured it out. Accounting and tax and CFO really matters. Sometimes <laughs> the smaller people don't have them figured out. They think, oh, everything else matters. My marketing, my brand, my sales. But it actually can add a lot of value to your company and to add some of these CFO level things, whether you're a business owner, a bookkeeper, or whatever. And so it's really important if you can learn these skills and gain CFO tools you can add a ton of value to your clients. And and the good news for you, if you're a bookkeeper, you don't need letters behind your name. It doesn't matter if you're a PhD or CPA or or have no letters. That's fine. Because guess what? The client could care less. They just care if you're giving them the value that they want. That is so so
1: true. (laughs) You know, I'm a small business owner. A lot of our community knows this. And I would not care whatsoever what Initials are behind that name. As long as I know and can trust them that they're going to be doing well for my business, then that's all that really matters. And the concept of CFO is really starting to take over in the bookkeeping industry over the last year almost. We've seen a massive influx in that, and especially the way of virtual CFO which I know you love the idea of virtual CFOs and virtual bookkeepers. Um, let's have a chat about that.
2: Well, it's interesting. The the fractional or part-time CFO, it's just a, I mean, you call it whatever, a freelance CFO. Um, it's just like bookkeepers work for themselves and offer this. So So CFOs figured out, oh, wait a minute. We could just, normally in the past, CFOs were like, that meant it actually meant chief financial officer for a company. Mm -hmm. So you actually had to work at a company and you'd be a CFO for that company. You have one job, but then people are like, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I could be CFO for five or six clients Mm -hmm. at once. And so I'm going to be a fractional CFO. And there are many, many of those. The interesting thing is it's kind of an interesting niche because you've got CFOs coming. There's a whole, even big, big CFOs never take an accounting course in their life they're just on the i know 90, it's just money side
1: baffles me and
2: yeah so it's um so it's weird you see so you've got bookkeepers becoming cfos you got all kinds of different skill sets in my my contention to business owner is if i am hiring a cfo i want them to have a deep-rooted knowledge in accounting accounting is the language of business it's mm-hmm. the foundation for every valuable thing and we have like six value drivers it's built on this foundation of what we call rock solid accounting 90% of the companies in the world do not have rock solid accounting they have very very poor accounting and mm-hmm. if you have poor accounting it leads to the the things that we want to get higher what the, the owners want improve cash flow lower taxes better reporting you can't even get there if the accounting's bad and so that's where it starts um with that knowledge and tools. And so that's, that's kind of where our programs start to on making sure we're doing the accounting really well, including a, a robust month-end process mm-hmm. where it includes finding and fixing errors and doing analytics and doing tie-outs and building a permanent audit trail, things that most bookkeepers, they just don't do. I've trained hundreds and hundreds of them. they're like, wow, I've never seen this before. Um, and stuff really we did in, in, in Big Fork when we went into audit companies.
1: Yeah. No, and trail. that's that's a thing too and I think that's what's happening a lot in the industry is bookkeepers are wanting to upskill they are wanting to further their actual service base to really help their clients. I think this last year with COVID we yeah. wanted to be there as much as possible and there was so many opportunities for bookkeepers to help keep their businesses their clients businesses alive. Um, so I think really knowing it is great.
2: And, and being, and traditionally that, that CFO role and just even a mindset and, and what the business owner thinks of. So a lot of business owners, whether right or wrong, Mm -hmm. they hear the word bookkeeper and they think commodity low level, Mm -hmm. I'll get them on Upwork. I'm going to pay them 19 bucks an hour, no value at all. It's just a cost I have to pay. Yeah. not going to help me in my business one bit. And um, where CFO, most business owners think, oh, that's an advisor, my trusted right-hand woman, my right-hand man, that's going to guide me. And it may be accounting or tax or HR or, or operations even, or this trusted person that's going to take, take care of headaches when I have them even. And so, um, that role really important role that, um, for these business owners, and so to, to be able to say, hey, if you're a bookkeeper, I mean, like in our program, CFO bookkeeper, I and, and the owner's like, what the heck's that? Well, it's a bookkeeper that does a lot more to CFO level. There's this, there's this weird niche where business owners start to get up towards a million in sales, and they're growing rapidly, and a million all the way up to 10 million. Somewhere along there, almost every business owner is going to be thinking, I got to get a CFO. And at yeah. first, First when they're too low they're 600 grand in sales are just like I can't afford it it's not going to work. The fractional CFOs a lot of them want you know 6 7 grand a month for to come in for 5 hours a month to do very little. And so they think they can't get it and then they or they're going to have to pay you know 3 400 grand a year to really get a really decent CFO. If you're a bookkeeper and you can learn a lot of CFO level skills then you could come in and say to the business owner, look, I'm gonna do almost everything you want CFO level and I'm not gonna charge you 400 grand. I'm only gonna charge you 200 grand a year. Yeah, And they're gonna love you or 150. You're gonna make a ton more than you're making with one client. They're gonna be happy because they're getting better service. And, And frankly, a lot of those CFOs out there that are charging those high rates are actually not doing much uh, from uh, my opinion of what they should be doing to add value to these clients and so it's a way for i tell bookkeepers this is a way to fight back you got everyone coming at you the big four like i got my parents trust company called me they said oh we hired kpmg to do our bookkeeping spark they basically do it for free um quickbooks does bookkeeping asia all those people i get emails we'll do your bookkeeping for two dollars an hour (laughs) so you got everyone's coming after your business and they want to do it to give it away free to get the other business the higher value work and so why not if you're a bookkeeper fight back say hey wait a minute i'm going to go after the cfos of the world and and go after their business or the cpas and so or the tax planners or all those people so we can we can do so much of that stuff that the business owners really value improving their cash flow, lower taxes, tax planning, really good reporting to help manage and run their business. We can do that with more than just data entry, bank rec, print out a ugly financial out of QuickBooks or whatever. Yeah.
1: No, it's it's. It's fantastic and I love that you are really trying to help support the industry because there are so many incredible bookkeepers out there that actually do do most of the CFO work just because and they don't get any recognition for it, they don't charge for it, they don't do anything so I think it's fantastic to really help teach bookkeepers how valuable their skills really are and how they can upskill if they want to really become that CFO bookkeeper.
2: And so to, to, yes, to upscale the skills and then what with the skills and the tools, if you have the tools too, you can have confidence because we say it starts with the very first call instead of like, mm-hmm. cause I've heard the other story. Yeah, there, are, I know so many talented bookkeepers that are doing so much already mm-hmm. and but it's the opposite they go in they're getting not paid much the owners just bug them for stuff the owners treat them badly and mm-hmm. they keep doing stuff and they're like oh i have to do all this stuff and they don't appreciate me as opposed to coming in as a business owner on day one saying i'm not a bookkeeper i'm a business owner here's what i do i do this this and this here's how we do it here's what i'm going to charge you to do it it's going to add a ton of value to your business and take it or leave it and oh, be super it. assertive <laughs> and if they take it great. They treat you correctly from day one and you got a lot of value as opposed to feeling that you have to prove yourself. Forget that. You don't need to prove yourself. You've already, you've got, if you've got the positioning to, and the, and the backup to, to back your offer up, then you don't need to worry about it.
1: No. And that's something I think the industry as bookkeepers are slowly starting to get around. Bookkeepers by trait are usually yes people. They really, Are empathetic they really care and you know it's it's about time that they start you know we I always say as well as you're not just a bookkeeper you're a business owner treat yourself like that treat yourself like an employee like actually be nice to yourself um (laughs) (laughs) like yourself have that confidence
2: and be confident and um and some people are like so terrified to even talk to a business owner mm-hmm. or have imposter syndrome or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, you just don't have to worry about that if you, if you get into whatever program or whatever and you feel like you're confident in your services or whatever, you don't have to be scared of the call. We, we even frame that differently. Like we'll send out, we'll meet an owner somehow, either through an email or whatever. But if we get on the call. I instruct you, my group, we are only asking questions. We are taking control of that call mm-hmm. from the first second. We're pretending we're a doctor. When, you know, when the doctor comes in the office with me and I'm just dying to tell them what I think, I need to tell them about whatever's wrong with me. And they just stop you. And they're like, nope, I'm asking you the questions. What did you eat on, or whatever. I'm gonna run this whole thing. I'm gonna do this first and this first. And if we do the same thing, we're super busy. I need to ask you a few questions to figure out if it's even a fit at all. We, ask, we then ask the questions, which I tell anyone can do. That makes life way easier. As opposed to being nervous, I'm interviewing for a job with a business owner. I really want the job and he's going to grill me or she on my resume and my how many clients I have and what I know about accounting and all this stuff. And I'm nervous. Instead so of mm-hmm. saying, oh, no, I'm not going to do that at all. I'm not going to talk about myself one second. I'm going to ask them questions, say, I'm going to send over a proposal with more information about me and my firm. And then if you want to move to the next step, we'll move there with an engagement letter, collect a retainer, and then we'll give you a bunch of free info or if they want references or whatever, but it it makes it way easier. We don't do sales. We don't ask them what they want or need. We tell them what we give them, which is the top level accounting and tax service, and they're going to pay for it. They'll never see us in person. Mm -hmm. And take it or leave. It works really good. I, I'm the same way as a people pleaser. And I didn't, I did the opposite of all that for five years. Yep. <laughs> that, doesn't that doesn't work where you go do free work and I'd go in person out to their place four times before, way before getting money.
1: And oh gosh, that just That's just yeah. nails on my chalk, on the chalkboard in my head. <laughs> no. And that's, that's something I really believe in as well. You know, I'm I've been in sales for years and years, and I specialize in doing service-based sales. And when you come in as a bookkeeper with your initial consult, and you are ready and prepared to tell them what they need, it makes such a different start to, to the relationship, basically. And having that really solid onboarding process to really go through and tell them, this is what you can expect. This is what I'm expecting from you. This is a relationship. I'm not your employee. I am a contractor that I am helping you run your business. You want to be nice to me. <laughs> Basically, it it changes everything and it makes those really long-term client bookkeeper relationships really successful and that's what you ultimately want, right? You you know, as as an accountant, bookkeeper, CFO, you want clients yeah. that are going to last.
2: Yeah, and they appreciate you, and then yeah. and then they'll if if you take a we haven't talked about niche yet, but if you go, yeah. my my opinion whether you join my program or not or anyone else's program, and and I didn't learn this too late. I wish I had learned it earlier. If you have a want to have a long term business, if you pick a not just a niche but a really good niche and become what we call a VIP, an expert instructor participant in that niche, that will solve your marketing for the rest of your life. By year two or three of that, you will never look for clients again and talk about when they they throw grilling you out the window. At the end of, I, didn't, I haven't taken a new client since 2008, early 2018. I don't do it. I push them out to my group now. Mm-hmm. But the, and even when I was trying to stop taking clients, the last two that I actually took, I was like told him I was like I was in the niche the guy knew who he got referred to me this guy Leroy he wanted um he wanted me I was pushing his emails back I don't take clients anymore then he's like can we just do a quick phone call and it was like I don't do clients anymore at all he's like what do you want I'll pay you anything He's like <laughs> forget about asking me for references or what do I know about anything it was just like no I want you and you're my and and so we ended up taking I ended up giving him later to a student, but he was paying us a ridiculous amount of money for a pretty easy job. It was still a startup farm. And so it's it's really a, a key. I tell people, if you hate marketing, then pick a niche, become an expert, become a VIP in that. And, and then by year two or three, if you do it right, you should not ever find great clients again because great clients will find you and then you're done forever.
1: I love that, and um, yeah, let's let's talk more about picking your niche and really, you know, discovering exactly who who you want to have as clients. Uh, you know, Amy, our founder, she has a really similar concept to you um, that we share with our savvy clients, where you can either pick a vertical niche. A horizontal niche or a diagonal niche. In a vertical niche, is something that you specify in a specific industry. A horizontal niche is specifying in a specific business stage, like startups, micro, anything like that. And then the diagonal is actually specializing in a specific demographic area of the type of client. That they are so there's the three different niches that we kind of teach within the savvy bookkeeper and any of them work it's just pick one <laughs> you pick know one and make sure
2: um my thoughts are make like all niches are not created equal and so Correct. you can actually succeed in any niche you can succeed in nonprofits if you want it's just mm-hmm. going to be more of an uphill battle and and that's a good one to talk about right at the bat nonprofit since and i'm not sure in australia but in the us the accounting's so different if you go down that road and decide five years later you want to switch it's very difficult because you have to really relearn everything but um the if you just are picking whatever kind of niche vertical horizontal whatever or or certain industry spend some time evaluating it because at the end of the day it's either a good niche or a bad niche. So on on the one hand, right off the bat, I don't care what niche you're in, if they are not at seven figures in sales, the average mom and pop, which meaning million dollars or more in annual revenues, the exception is startups of high tech Mm -hmm. or whatever, cannabis, if they're growing rapidly and they're going to get there quickly, that's if they're high growth so not like you know a CrossFit gym or whatever, but a high-growth industry and/or seven figures. That means they can actually afford to pay you. If they, if you, if an average mom and pop can't afford to pay a CFO bookkeeper five to ten grand a month, then that, I consider that not a great niche because you're going to need a ton of clients to make a six-figure firm instead of one client or maybe mm. two clients. And so that's that's where I start off right off the bat. I want to have. Um, and dentists would fit the bill normally. Like, oh, yeah, dentists are everywhere and they most generally make a million dollars and they're rich. Now, then I'd go down to some other check marks. Well, why are dentists not a great niche? They're very, very hard to reach. They make themselves that way. They're massively overserved already by specialists for a long, long time. And so when I talk to these literally thousands of bookkeepers on the phone, I bet almost half the people I talk to are like, Andrew, I picked this niche, like dentist or or hair salon or whatever, and I wasted eight months and I'm starting over. And so since it's only kind of a one-time decision, is like we're talking about VIP and long-term other things we're doing in our practice, growing our education, that's good no matter what. But the niche decision is a decision. And it's like, OK, it's you a better, big decision. <laughs> yeah, better make the right choice or you're going to be sorry um, later. Mm. If you're um, if you make if you pick a bad niche and then start over, it does if it literally feels like you just wasted seven months or a year. I've talked to people even that two years down the line.
1: Yeah, swear,
2: I try wow. dentists myself because I live in a small town of 100,000 people and it seems like there are dentists on every corner. I couldn't even get a, a meeting with the head dentist of the place where I go to get my teeth cleaned. And, I was no. like, and they're like, oh yeah, we have a dental specialist. That's all they do. And they an account and they've been doing this for years. And, um, so, so you just want to be careful on what you, you um, go after.
1: I love that. And you actually do have a list of five to six things that make a good niche. Um, would it be possible to Chat about that, because I'm very interested in it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that's, um, so I've got somewhere, we've got a list of seven things. Is it I'm seven there, things? And actually, this, um, this PDF that if we can, we can share it with your group. Absolutely. Um, that's basically what makes a great niche. And so I've... I've gone I'd probably make this five but first off average I just want the average mom and pop I don't want to have to like get lucky and I got the best client in the niche and yeah it was awesome but just the average um, mom and pop seven figures or more are going to be there quickly I want it to be in a very growth fast growing industry if possible I want it to be underserved by accountants Um, and then finally I want I want the business owners to be super easy to find and reachable um because that makes it a lot easier on us as well and then if you on top of that if you want it to be a fun niche so the niche i'm in cannabis cbd is super fun we have events everywhere more often than not they're in las vegas they're in fun new orleans and they they have music they're celebrities that attend they're lots of fun i don't know what dentists do at their convention <laughs> probably not as fun um but it's always tricky because like oil, I was in oil and gas early in the century in 2000 and 2001. And I was CFO, very, very hard to learn that niche. It takes a lot of time, but it's an old, old niche. And so like in places like Oklahoma, Texas, where I'm from and you know, people have been doing oil and gas for 40 years and it's very, very hard to break in even though it is tons of multimillion dollar companies, it's still pretty hard to break in and hard to learn. And so that can be tricky um there there's so many niches that do have a problem like dentists and doctors they're hard to reach even though they make money and they're pretty overserved. um construction i think is actually a good one and developers especially like in in the u.s right now i'm on the west coast and so if i was going after construction like for i'm in a resort town bend oregon where we live I could just, I would easily know exactly where I go. I know people are build, doing $10 million developments. They're all over um, central Oregon, the Portland area. People are literally pouring into Oregon. They've been so for 10 years or more. Um, so they're leaving California, they're coming up this way. So you can really target those high growth areas where there's just a ton of construction and lots of those companies are making, you know, even sub niching out construction plumbers electrician my my good buddy who's a plumber yeah their firm's been with the growth way for 30 years here they don't look for mm. clients at all and they're seven figure firm they're plumbers but they're seven figure
1: firm yeah um, yeah we uh, that's definitely a sweet spot here in Australia as well.
2: Yeah you get that the growth yeah. area um, so there there are good niches I think start um high tech startups can be good mm-hmm. those can be tricky because there's so many that are looking for money and just dead broke, and so say they don't want to pay you yet. And <laughs> I don't go for that <laughs> anymore. I've done, I have done that before. Yes, so, I think careful. we
1: all have at some point in our careers, but uh, we really try and get our members to not do that anymore.
2: <laughs> and he, um, I tell people if, if someone wants to pay you with equity of some kind and give you some ownership, Like I never turn it away, but, but I say, well, I'm still going to get cash. And so Mm -hmm. I will like, I'll know in my head, even if I'm talking to this person and I'm, and like thinking before they even bring up equity, like I want five grand a month. And if they say they just offer equity, I'll say, okay, I'll take four grand a month and give me 5% of the company or 2% or whatever it is.
1: Mm. And,
2: and those can can be hit or miss. I've had huge wins with equity and and zeros also.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. And um, I know we've mentioned it a little bit earlier as well, that you do have another business, which is Dope CFO. And um, we've kind of been chatting around it. It's your own vertical niche that you have. So I really want to discuss it. But before we go any further, just because we like to make sure that we are being open with our listeners is we want to do a little savvy disclaimer so for everyone that is listening we're going to be talking about something a little controversial and we haven't done a controversial topic for a while since i think the last time it was Amy back in October, or November last year. So we're a bit excited about this. Um, The entire team is really interested in this topic and in the actual conversation because it's a great opportunity within our industry throughout the world, to be honest. Not, you know, it just came to Australia, it's becoming really big, but it's something that is just a really great opportunity in growth stage for bookkeepers and CFOs. So I'm really looking forward to having this chat with you and getting a bit more in depth. Um, With that said as well though, we are only gonna be discussing the legalized aspect of these emerging industry and are in no way promoting the illegal activity that can also sometimes be thought of it as well. So I hope this little disclaimer has heightened your uh, interest in this uh, topic we're about to discuss with Andrew. So Andrew, please let us know what DOPE CFO is and what's going on with the cannabis industry for bookkeepers and CFOs.
2: Well, it's, it's like you said, super high growth right now for good reason. Um, dope CFO, that's where we teach about cannabis and CBD hemp. Um, we, I preached this for years. I don't deal with illegal co- companies. So you can, do you remember Enron or small? I've, I've been an mm. auditor for 30 years. I've dealt with fraud. I can't even remember. I've dealt with church frauds um, <laughs> two different times with big church frauds. um So so the the point is there are criminals in every niche. And yes. so- Cannabis now is state legal. It's it's becoming legal in many countries. It's becoming legal in almost every state in the U.S. My guess is it will be federally legal there very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's going to be a legal industry like alcohol or whatever else or medicines. And so it should be legal and it's going to have a lot of regulation. And we're going to for we insist and we know because we do such a robust accounting method. We'll know if if anything is not right and we will fire clients immediately if we think they're doing something illegal um in this niche or any other so so yeah i would be super careful about and that's why we build internal controls and whatnot corporate governance accounting policies and procedures that's that's in our onboarding we do that on day one we want to make sure there's controls and and we'll know there's not going to be any fraudulent reporting or whatever without it we're tying out assets every month we're going to pretty much know if there's funny business going on and we'll leave um so that said so in the u.s we can serve state legal companies if our every state in in america has our own state board of cpas Mm -hmm. and we can um but right now the niche is is almost in every single state there's only four states where it's really completely absent um there are and there's every service provider serving this niche in the US accountants, bookkeepers, CBAs, enrolled agents, attorneys, marketers, plumbers, electricians, home Depot sells stuff all day long, <laughs> the cannabis farms and retailers and and um, so it's yeah they wouldn't I mean basically everyone's serving lighting companies and mm. and real estate and realtors so so everyone's serving this niche it's quickly moving legal. the science is catching up. Finally, with the anecdotal evidence that goes back thousands of years that cannabis and CBD actually have medical benefits, many, many, many medical benefits, everything from and biggies, you know, pain, arthritis, anxiety, sleep disorders, PTSD, autism, epilepsy, on and on and on. We're at the tip of the iceberg. They're studying this all over the world, universities, hospitals, scientists, and it's real. It really works, you know. There's other chemicals. CBD became legal overnight in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So CBD and hemp are legal. So those are we serve those niches, too. They're kind of sister niches. And then within the whole cannabis, CBD, hemp world, you have the verticals are kind of farming to chemical processors and then um, product manufacturers, which could be food, beverage, lotions, all kinds of things they make. And then we go to distribution labs and retail and even delivery companies after retail. So we have a pretty varied niche, and often you could have all of those companies in one company many times.
1: Really, so in com- one company?
2: Oh yeah, all the time. Wow. There, you'll have. It's very common to have three or four, like a dispensary, like a client here has two dispensaries, and he owns half a farm, and they, they want to <laughs> control their supply chain and make sense for him, um, and and have that accountability
1: smaller. as well, I guess.
2: Yeah, um, so they can. Yeah. The company becomes more valuable. So, so many do it. That's so the, so this niche fits all those criteria. It's fun. It's insanely fast growing. The business owners are absolutely everywhere and easy to meet. Um, the average farm processing plant manufacturer retailer is five to 10 million, just day one. And um, so they're great clients to have, they're massively underserved by bookkeepers and CPAs, and it's, there's high barriers to entry. It's not simple, we need cost accounting, we need a toolbox or, we, or, or good luck um, trying to serve the niche, but it's, um, it's a great, great niche to get involved in. Um, I think we're gonna see it globally worldwide. It's gonna be a medicine It's going to be treated like medicine and it's going to be regulated, but it's going to be everywhere.
1: Well, here very much in Australia, the way that it's kind of come over is it's heavily the heavy focus on the medication and, you know, the benefits for constant, you know, pain control, um, different cancer treatments, all that stuff. So it's a very interesting market that has just really started to take off in the last year and a half here. And um, you're right, you know there's so many different steps in the chain of the actual industry that a bookkeeper can you know specialize in all of them, some of them. Um, they can become a CFO for it. There's so many incredible opportunities. And in Dope CFO, you actually do provide that education and those tools on how to enter the industry that you were talking about, correct?
2: yeah so our program is just a huge shortcut if so if someone picks this niche and and that's usually who calls me up. Yeah, got pick this niche i'm all in i want to go in our program is a no-brainer you will not if you try to recreate it yourself you'll spend thousands of hours even if you have the skills to recreate the tools which probably many people don't if you don't have a deep deep big four cpa background um but to get in our program, yeah, we have a complete education in 90 days to be what we want. We want you to be that valuable expert in accounting, tax, court cases, um, operations, what products are out there, what brands, how, how are things made? We want you really to know that industry. Then we have our marketing system for how we find these clients that we kind of talked about our methodology there. And then we have our amazing toolbox that starts with onboarding and engagement letter we have ready to download. Put your price in. We have a price quoting tool, and then we just it goes from there. Chart of accounts, controls, documents, um, cost accounting templates, PBC lists, month end systems, reporting templates. It just over 100 work papers. So it's kind of start to finish. Um, we call it a firm in a box, basically. And then, I love it. And then we have our our community that's super active. We do lots of live calls we're talking to each other daily, all 50 states in the U S and, um, we actually have one member in Australia, um, as well, but he's, um, and then, and then basically most people are in the U S but we have every, we have bookkeepers, CPAs, CFOs, attorneys, enrolled agents. And so people share work and knowledge um, daily, but it's, it is nice for people to have that, that backup to figure out answers to questions and whatever. Yeah, well, that's
1: that's definitely what we're all about. That's what we do with the savvy bookkeeper and our savvy membership group. We're always there to have chats together and have that smart system, like you mentioned. Um, Now, I absolutely love this concept. You know, it's an industry that has really launched in Australia, America, Canada as well. You know, I'm Canadian. There's a real we were kind of one of the forefront countries that are really ahead. (laughs) Yeah. We're a bit ahead from everything, but um, there's just so many opportunities within this market and a real opportunity for growth for bookkeepers who are wanting to become CFOs and bookkeepers who are just wanting to get into the market itself. Um, You know, it's, it's something that whether, whether you agree with the whole concept or not, um, it's one of those things that it's hard to deny how impactful this new industry is going to be, and how great of an opportunity it is for bookkeepers to work within it.
2: Um, we've had some people start with the sister niche there, like, well, I I don't believe in cannabis, but but my doctor just gave me some CBD, and so I'm taking CBD, and so I'm fine mm-hmm. doing. And so you can learn on the CBD hemp side, which is pretend cannabis went away tomorrow. It just disappeared from planet Earth. CBD hemp is a massive niche. It doesn't get anyone high, but it is medicine. Hemp is amazing. And it's the same deal. We got farms, processors, product manufacturers. Oh, and there's we got so the many opportunities
1: net. as well. It's, you it's know, fun. you can think about not even getting involved in something that's digestible. It can be something like hemp socks, hemp clothing, hemp yeah. fashion. Like that is so massively growing as well. So there's different aspects within the industry.
2: And yeah, so uh, outside that's kind of on the horizontal way without the verticals, hemp is just its own Mm. niche. There was no CBD or cannabis or THC or whatever. Hemp would be a huge, huge worldwide niche, which it's gonna be CBD on its own. There's gonna be other CBD like chemicals that don't, don't get anyone high, but have medical benefits. You look at just even the pet markets, what they're doing with CBD, it's it's nuts. But my mom's a great example. She absolutely hates cannabis. She's in Oklahoma. She's 85. But her doctor gives her CBD for her arthritis, and she likes it. So it's just, CBD is just another chemical in the same plant. It's in a cannabis plant, too. Yeah. And so, yeah, THC can get you a little bit high, but, but they can really microdose and downgrade so you don't maybe have those those things that you don't wanna have if you're, but but the market, the medical side is gonna be here. It's going to grow big. We need a good medicine. In in the US, we have a massive opiate crisis. This industry also provides jobs, huge tax dollars, which our governments need. And so there's lots and lots of good reasons. But I don't know if Australia, but the US, we are aging. I'm almost 60. The baby boomers.
1: Yeah, the baby boomers.
2: We need a reasonable thing. When my mom was growing, you know, when my age, like when she was in her 50s going through 80s, Guess what the doctors did then and why we have the opioid? OB- they were handing out Valiums and all these pills left and right. Oh, take that pill. Take this pill. And it's like, you know what? We're smarter, I think, as we're getting older. We want a solution for pain and sleep and anxiety and all these things you get when you're older. But we want it to be a reasonable solution that we're not going to be addicted to. And we're not going to you know, have all that craziness. So you say controversial, but then it's like you look at what's actually been done legally with in the 70s mm. and 80s, and you get all these women, you know, taking volumes and drinking wine, and it's like, <laughs>
1: yes, oh gosh, we've learned like, a lot, okay. <laughs> <laughs> definitely learned a lot, no, I, I love that you've created Dope CFO and the CFO College to help support bookkeepers, and really just make the knowledge and kind of concept of niching and creating that virtual business to succeed, no matter the niche, um i think it's just really fantastic and uh it's definitely something that we're all about um we're so happy that you're doing it as well um now i know that you've just offered your actual pdf of your really great uh what makes a great niche concept because it's really really helpful um but i know you've also offered a free resource that is the four keys to building a 100% bookkeeping remote bookkeeping practice as well so that is going to be all available including the pdf that you've already mentioned as well on our actual podcast description on um, all of our podcast channels whether it's on me whether it's the Spotify or iTunes or whatever so we'll include both of those into our episode notes today so that our listeners will be able to read a bit more about what you have to offer and um, how they can learn how to niche and create that really successful bookkeeping practice Um, because ultimately that's Uh, the game
2: yeah yes and I we've been talking I'm actually going to launch a new likely a new platform around just the idea of dope CFO with what does that mean? Dope CFO originally, Oh, well, that means marijuana. Are we But dope CFO? We were joking around. Like it's also cool, but I, I was account- thinking,
1: yeah, it's dope as cool. in cool. <laughs>
2: cool. And it's like, we're all accountants worldwide. Most of us are nerdy and introverts and, and mm-hmm. whatever, but we think of the dope CFOs where they're going to be the cool nerds. We're going to be the nerds that are, can also, <laughs> be cool but also we're going to try to build that just the whole mindset of just yeah you can be a dope cfo too whether you're in a program or not of just having that attitude of being confident being a business owner doing the right thing doing good work you know making a difference for your clients that's what we all want to do and so um i love it we'll we'll be adding that here pretty soon as well
1: I love it. So for anyone who wants to learn more about Andrew and both of his businesses, we're going to have all of his links available. We're basically going to be having a link chain for you in our podcast notes as well today. So we're going to have his actual personal LinkedIn page, because it's quite an interesting page to actually go on and read. We're going to have the Facebook pages, Twitter, Instagram. Both websites as well for dope CFO and for the CFO college so you guys can really get in there and learn more about Andrew and what he's doing and. We also will have the link to our Facebook group, which is the I heart bookkeeping Facebook group, so you guys can join now make sure. Again, I always say this to you guys, you have to answer the questions or else we can't accept you. If you have tried to go in and we haven't accepted you, it's because you haven't answered the questions. So make sure you answer the questions and then we can let you in. And Andrew has just joined this Facebook group as well as a member. So you'll be able to chat with him as as well as the rest of the Savvy community to really get to know more about these opportunities within the... cfo area and within the uh, medical cannabis and actual industry itself um and uh yeah so just a reminder if you don't put any answers you don't get entry to the facebook group <laughs> you answered the questions didn't yeah, you andrew I did. well,
2: I know how, how you gotta do that because
1: you gotta do it that way we have that's why we have such a great community in there <laughs> No, thank you so much for joining me today, Andrew. I think it's a really exciting industry for bookkeepers to get into. And I love what you're doing, helping fellow people within our industry to become CFOs and really having successful businesses that we can be proud of. So thank you so much for all your work and joining me. All right, well,
2: thank you so much. No,
1: thank you. And as always, guys, stay safe sane and savvy.
0: Thank you for listening to The Bookkeeper's Voice. We'll be back next week, so subscribe to future episode notifications. Do you want to be more efficient? Get instant access to our free template of the month. Visit thesavvybookkeeper.com.au slash freebie. Would you love to connect with other savvy bookkeepers to get support and ideas? Join the Savvy Bookkeeper Facebook group. Do you need help with pricing, marketing, web design, or business planning? Visit the savvybookkeeper.com.au to see our services. Until next time, stay savvy.